All right, everybody, and welcome back to the finale of season two of the Music Madness podcast. This is your host, back again after a week-long break, Kent. I am pretty excited to wrap this season up, and I have to say it's been a real fun journey through this bracket. We've worked through a lot of artists, a lot of music, and this pod, we're just, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun working on what we're trying to do and experimenting with a number of things. On that, I do want to say a special thank you to Leah for doing the Overtime podcast last week. I had to travel for work and didn't want to leave you all hanging, and she had a great idea to kind of do her rumors and gossip episode, and I thought it was great. It's just those random facts are so much fun to learn about different artists and who they were and how they they went through life. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did, so thank you, Leah, for your help all throughout this season, kind of uh, trying some different stuff. Um, so this podcast will be a celebration of the journey we've been on. We're going to talk through each of the final four artists who they beat along their journey. Some of my favorite pieces of info that we learned along the way, um, and our last chat about their music. Um, we've covered a lot of ground and I'll be honest, I'd forgotten a few things along the way. It'll be interesting to see as we go back through it all, what comes through and what is really kind of memorable. Feels like a long time ago when we were in those early play-in matches, so excited to kind of start with a couple things. So let's start with our third place matchup. First, we had Otis Redding, who was the three seed from the Freak Accident bracket, against Kurt Cobain, who was the number one seed from the Violent Death bracket. I'm going to start with Redding. As I said at the beginning, the Freak Accident uh, bracket was probably the most wide-open bracket of all of them. I felt like it could never do, tell who was going to win each matchup, uh, which is probably how we ended up with a three seed in the final four. Um, I had a lot of fun learning about Redding, who was an artist I knew almost nothing about prior to this season, so I'm glad I got to know more. Um, I didn't think he had an easy matchup all the way from the beginning of the bracket, though. It's it's In his very first matchup, he ran into country superstar Hank Williams, who was our sixth seed. Hank and his super weird death. It's probably the weirdest death in the entire bracket. Um, he just died in the backseat of a car. They don't know if it was from getting beat up, if it was from drugs, if it was from alcohol. Who knows? Um, during the matchup, it was the first time I'd really listened to Otis Redding's stuff. And I knew I'd heard it before, but I didn't know who actually sang it. It was funny to learn that Respect was actually written by a man, which still blows my mind because it's like every... Um, you know, female empowerment movie or song, uh, it's it's in there. Um, he dispatched Williams with very little trouble and moved on to face probably our biggest Cinderella in the whole bracket, Aaliyah. That week, we talked a little bit more about Redding and his personal life. He, I, I got married at 24, and I felt like I was a baby, but Redding and his wife got married at 18 and had their first kid right away. I couldn't imagine having a kid at 19. I barely knew what I was doing at that point, much less trying to raise a kid. Um he barely squeaked by Aaliyah, just taking 56% of the vote to her 44. This is probably the closest matchup he had all the way through until he lost. Um, it just kind of shows the support Aaliyah had from our voters. Um, the next week, we talked about my three favorite songs from his. I went with These Arms Are Mine, Hard to Handle, and Sitting by the Dock of the Bay as my three. And I think these are still probably his three best songs. All three were originals that he had written and it really did a great job of spanning his entire career. I did love how Leah talked about whistling on the dock of the bay, the the whistling on dock of the bay. It seemed a little out of place, but now that I know that song as well, I couldn't imagine it without it. So I wonder if he was going to try and replace it or what he would have done there. But, you know, still interesting to think that that might not have been how it was supposed to sound. In the Elite Eight, he matched up with Buddy Holly. 
So when I started the whole thing, I barely knew anything about Buddy Holly, but I have to say, after getting to know him, he may be one of the artists who should have been a number one seed in this bracket versus just the four seed. Um, I don't know. It, it just, it was, he's so innovative. Um, and talking about who had the most influence on music in this bracket, I feel like Hendrix might have been more influential, but Buddy might have been a close second. When he toured England and started the British invasion, it's just kind of crazy that the dork, dorky dude from Texas went to the UK and kicked off the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, all of those different things. So, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. <clears throat> it was that week that we talked about uh, Otis Redding's musical legacy and his it was interesting uh, thing that his label had screwed up. It was Stax Vol, which had messed up his contract negotiation. So Atlantic Records, who was his distributor, ended up owning his entire catalog of music. You can imagine why Atlantic is still one of the biggest recording labels out there, and no one's ever heard of Stax Vol if they're writing contracts like that. Uh, Reading beat uh, Buddy Holly with 65% of the vote, moved to the final four, where he lost out to Freddie Mercury to get into the third place match. All right, so his opponent. I try to keep my bias out of this podcast as much as possible, but I have to say going through this pod was kind of a reignition of my love for Nirvana. I hadn't really thought about them or listened to them in a while. Um, in the 90s, though, I loved Nirvana. I, I had all their albums. I listened to all of their stuff. I've been listening to a lot of it lately, and it, it just makes me happy. Uh, I may be a little sad because none of their stuff was happy. So it, it definitely was, uh, you know, interesting to kind of relive the childhood. Um, Kobe, Cobain had a pretty tough matchup in our one versus eight battle, battle with Mozart. Uh, it was actually kind of cool to see Mozart get some love from voters. It may be that people don't love Cobain, which is fine. He's not for everybody. But we had one Mozart, one uh, Discord member point out that Mozart was like the original rock star. He would be doing underground shows over in Austria. He was uh, rock and roll before anyone had actually thought of a guitar. The, the biggest thing I learned in our first week with Nirvana was that they had recorded in Utero, their second album in Cannon Falls, Minnesota. I didn't even know that Cannon Falls, Minnesota had a recording studio, much less one of Nirvana's three albums were recorded there. Cobain crushed the musical maestro with 75% of the vote. I actually think that Cobain had the toughest road if he wanted to win this whole thing because he beat Mozart, only get the opportunity to take on Notorious B.I.G., uh, who is one of the most popular rappers of all time. Um, that week was interesting for me to learn about Kurt's life. I had no idea that he had been homeless, that he lived under a bridge for a while. I had known that he had been a massive drug addict, but I didn't know how he had come about it. I had no idea that Dave Grohl hadn't been their original drummer. Just learned a ton about Nirvana and more of the history, which I didn't really pay attention to when I was a kid. Cobain made it past Biggie with relative ease with about 67% of the vote. I really struggled to, with my three favorite Nirvana songs, but I went with Lounge Act, Dumb, and Where Did You Sleep Last Night. Still not sure those are the right ones because I love so many other songs, but I swear I've listened to Where Did You Sleep Last Night about 50 times since doing that episode. It's haunting, especially knowing it was the last thing he recorded before he passed away. So it, it just, it's interesting to kind of know the history of it after the fact. And this took him into a massive matchup with Tupac. And man, having to go through Biggie and Tupac back to back, um, what was I thinking when I made the bracket that night? I mean, that those it's, I didn't even think about that path. Um, so it's it's interesting as I'm recording it. We we talked a little bit about this on Discord, but this today uh, he got announced that uh, 
somebody has been arrested in Tupac's murder, which is crazy to think it's, what, almost 20, 30 years later? And they just arrested somebody now, so it's crazy. Um, so it, it's super sad that Coca- Cobain died, but it's really interesting to learn what happened after he passed away. I had no idea that the Foo Fighters' entire first album was just Dave Grohl. I mean, I, I've listened to that album a hundred times, and I had never realized that. So it's crazy how it just exploded in 95, and you went, oh, crap, I actually got to put a band together. Um, I think I've owned two copies of that CD. Uh, it was sad to learn about the music rights, though, and how Courtney Love has just kind of taken it from the other guys and done what she did. So it's pretty annoying to kind of see it now, but, you know, it's still interesting. I will say, though, I thought their top five songs was an interesting list, but I wasn't surprised that none of my top three were in the top five. I just I always kind of like different songs of theirs. They had so many good ones. It's cool to see how their stuff is really held up, but it still kind of blows my mind that In Bloom wasn't on either list, and it's probably their second or third biggest song. Oh, and after listening to Leah's Overtime, I'm pretty well convinced Kirk was murdered. How are there zero fingerprints in the house that he died in, even on the gun, right? Like, are you telling me that Kurt, high as heck on heroin, didn't touch anything, didn't stumble, didn't, like, put his hand down somewhere? Come on. Um, nice work, Leah. Now I'm a conspiracy theorist. Seriously, though, that one kind of shook me a little bit. So um, it's interesting. My wife and I have had a couple conversations about that. And now on to our championship matchup. We'll do the results here all together at the end. So bear with me as we kind of walk through the rest of it. Um, I'll be honest. I was kind of thinking of these two when we started this whole bracket. I thought that it would come down to Freddie versus Jimmy. Um, They certainly are a couple of my favorite artists from before I was born. I've listened to both of their music a lot over the years, and I was really hoping that both of them would make at least a deep run. Um, did I think both of them would end up winning the championship? Yeah, I, I probably did, but, um, it's good to see, you know, that it actually held up. So it's time to figure out who joins Fleetwood Mac on our championship trophy from the health reasons bracket hailing from Zanzibar, Tanzania, our number two seed Freddie Mercury from queen takes on from the drugs and OD bracket from Seattle, Washington, also a two seed Jimi Hendrix. So before we dive into the review I wanted to kind of think about this because we had in our final, we have in my opinion and a number of other people's opinions, um, more professional than I, the greatest front person of all time in Freddie Mercury. We have probably the greatest guitarist of all time in Jimi Hendrix. In our bracket, we had John Bonham, who is arguably the greatest drummer of all time. Now, I know outside of our purview, because we're only talking about people who died early, but who's the greatest bassist of all time? I mean, I, I, I don't know, right? Like, I know a few bassists, but I don't know who's the greatest. Um, it feels like that position kind of gets overlooked. So I did some Googling. Uh, so who's on the list? It was uh, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which makes a lot of sense. They use their bass tracks almost like a second guitar. Um, there was a guy that I found named John Entwistle from The Who, which, man, if they had Keith Moon and Entwistle, uh, those are some pretty sweet musicians. The list also had Paul McCartney on there. I think that's kind of an obligatory thing. You got to put him on there. Is he the greatest? I don't know. If you count songwriting, probably. Um, I did find something interesting on the list. There was a bassist by the name of Donald Dunn who went by Donald Duck Dunn. Um, He was kind of a freelance guy that played for a lot of solo artists, but he got included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
And you may not believe it, but there were two artists that he played bass for, Otis Redding and Elvis Presley. So it all kind of comes back full circle, which we, you know, he probably was on some of the songs that we talked about. So there, there is one of the greatest bassists has been at least part of the conversation. So let's start with Farouk Bolsara. Um, Freddie's star- story to stardom is it's super interesting and unexpected. Um, it's so interesting that he kind of just grew up in like a normal family that was in Africa. And then they eventually moved to London. And then eventually he just ended up doing music. It was like he didn't go to school or really seemed like he had this as like the thing he had to do. It was just something he he liked and started doing it. And then he turned out to be one of the greatest of all time at it. So crazy how he, uh, you know, just kind of fell into it. In round one, he faced off with Cass Elliott from the Mamas and the Papas. It still blows my mind that she and Keith Moon died in the same apartment in London from very different causes of death. I love the fact that all four band members from Queen wrote a number one hit. In my opinion, Freddie probably wrote the most, but I just loved how they worked as a team. Like, they all were together. I I remember reading about um, one of the songs that was written by the drummer and how Freddie just, like, jumped into it and was like, oh, this is a great song, let's go. And they just all worked together. Um, So it just is such a cool group. It makes me like Queen even more. Freddie easily took down Mama Cass and moved on to take on Bob Marley. I did enjoy getting to dive into Marley. The the fact that he survived an assassination attempt is probably the craziest story I read the entire time going through the podcast. Like, who survives an assassination attempt to die from a preventable cancer in your toe? (laughs) Just, it's, uh, you know, you would think the assassination would take you out versus, uh, you know, Rastafarianism. Um... My three favorite Queen songs were all ones that were written by Freddie. I feel like you can tell which ones are Freddie jams just because they're upbeat, they're fun, they have some artistry to them. Don't Stop Me Now, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Somebody to Love are just they're great songs. And you could just tell how much joy he had putting them together. I did love learning about Bohemian Rhapsody, a song I know pretty well and know almost all the words too. That was a song he spent 15 years ago years on and he wrote it while working with his original band smile just makes me appreciate it even more that like how does he put together something that crazy um over 15 years right like it just it it had to have gotten perfect i guess in order to actually get to be what it was freddie easily moved past marley into the last eight so i didn't know much about freddie in the late 80s or early 90s i was too young to really know who he was and what was going on But he was really out of the limelight from his disease. It's crazy to think that when he made the Highlander soundtrack, he was dying, right? Like, that, it's not his best works, but they did a lot of songs for that soundtrack, um, and he was not doing well. I do think it's awesome that even after his death, his bandmates never replaced him. It's always been Queen plus whoever, right? Like, now it's Queen plus Adam Lambert. It's not Queen um, so I, I, I hope they get their billion dollars for their musical rights. Cause I just, I'd like queen even more having learned more about who they were. So Freddie took down John Bonham to make it to the finals. I wonder if those two ever played together. It would have been so fun to listen to. Cause just like the, the drum riffs from, uh, Bonham backing up Freddie would have been something to hear. So queen's top five songs weren't a surprise i knew we'd get under pressure and another one bites the dust the last one is probably my girl's favorite song from queen i'll catch them singing another one bites the dust <laughs> just walking through the house which you know 
everyone that teach their own. It's not my favorite song, but she they like it. I thought Leah's story about Princess Di hanging out with Freddie Mercury was awesome. He totally seemed like he would try and sneak the future queen into a gay bar because I, I almost wonder if he wanted to get caught. Right, like he was trying to see if he could actually get her caught because it would help kind of bring profile to the entire thing. So it, it would have been crazy if they would have been caught. I could only imagine now. There's no way he could have done something like that. And on to his opponent, Jimi Hendrix. Um, I had listened to a lot of Hendrix music over the years, but I had no idea that he had to move all the way to England to get his start. Like he was just a backup guitarist here, which it seems so crazy to think about how things were back in the 60s and just to, you know the the way he must have faced systematic racism just to, to even try and create his job so um it, uh, thankfully he moved to london and the music scene in london must have been insane i mean he produced three albums all three of them ended up on the rolling stones top 500 album list of all time and it, what if he didn't move to London, right? Like, what if he hadn't been able to have the resources to do that? If he, what, he had just been playing the Chitlin circuit for his entire life and just been a backup guitar player forever? So thankfully he did, and he, he went there and got discovered. In round one, he just destroyed poor Shannon Hoon of Blind Melon. I like Blind Melon, but it didn't even stand a chance. I didn't realize how revolutionary Jimmy was on the guitar. I mean, everyone knows that he's an awesome guitarist, but I honestly think him being completely self-taught is what made him so experimental. He, no one ever told him what to do, so he just kind of made it up as he go. The, the story of him learning how to play on a one-string ukulele was amazing. So after Shannon Hoon, Hendrix matched up with Jim Morrison from The Overrated Doors. Um, just a matchup right over there, two 27 club members who died within a year or two of each other. It was a crazy time for music. I couldn't imagine like three of the biggest artists on the planet just dying within a month of each other or not a month within 18 months of each other. Um, yeah, just crazy time for music. I think Jimmy was my hardest to pick three favorite songs. I had a lot of people saying I forgot a song when I named my top three, but I was not that I forgot them. I just, I, there's so many good ones. How do you pick your top three from somebody that probably has 12 songs that are pretty close to each other? I do feel like part of the reason why I picked Voodoo Child was more because of the story that was behind it with Voodoo Chili. I had never heard that before, and it makes the song even better. So I'm going to go on a little uh, tangent here. I don't, I'm not sure how many of you have heard of the song, the band Tenacious D. Um, it's made up by uh, an uh, ma- actor, Jack Black, and his friend Kyle, uh, who it's just the two of them with guitars. But they have a song called Tribute, which is it's the line is, this is not the greatest song in the world. This is just a tribute. So they they... They write a song about a song because they they encounter the devil and the devil makes them play a song and they end up playing the greatest song of all time. But after the fact, they can't remember it. So they just write a tribute to it. That's what Voodoo Child feels like for Voodoo Chili, which, uh, and, you know, they recorded Voodoo Chili, but it just kind of is, this is just a tribute. <laughs> it makes me laugh. So that's what I was thinking of, at least when I was re- reading the story. I did think it was crazy how real Jimmy realistically invented guitar distortion. Like I can't imagine rock music without it now. And he took it and just made it mainstream. Like he just did things that no one else was doing. Like sure there were fuzz pedals, but he was taking the fuzz pedals and making them make the wah wah sound, which no one else was doing. It, it just his contribution to music, modern music is incredible, which makes it even more sad that he didn't really even care about his contract. 
And he just kept recording at the studios for PPX, which was the other label, which he had like a lawsuit up against. And they would just take his music and sell bootleg copies of his stuff. He didn't really care, it seems like. He just would. He just wanted to make music, which is cool and also sad at the same time. Also sad, it's sad how his rights ended up passing to his father, who he had been estranged from. He had moved away. He had tried to get away from his dad. And then his dad just ends up with a... a a pocket of go- uh, gold just falling into his pocket, right? Like, uh, you know, from somebody that he hadn't even been part of his life for a long time. So I guess it's important to have a will. So Jimmy took down his second straight 27er to move into the final four versus Cobain, beating Janis Joplin, who had uh, really moved through the bracket. She was also a Cinderella making it through the play-ins. I probably underseated her. She took down Elvis. She moved through a lot. And I really did learn a lot about her life, you know, which is, it was super interesting and in how much she had to go through in order to get to where she was. So it was great to learn about her. But, you know, it, when we got to the top five songs, it was, it was pretty apparent who was going to win that one. And Jimmy took her down pretty easily. His top five songs are just, they're fantastic. I've probably listened to just those top five about a hundred times. And I've added a lot of listens to them on Spotify. So hopefully you all enjoyed that as well. So the reason you're all here are the results. So let's get into it. Who are our winners and who is joining Fleetwood Mac as our champion on our championship quote unquote trophy? So let's do our third place matchup. As I said, we had Kurt Cobain of Nirvana from the Violent Death Group versus Otis Redding, um, a three seed from the Freak Accident Bracket. And taking on third place is Kurt Cobain from Nirvana with 67% of the vote. Not really a surprise there. I, I thought Cobain was probably like the the third person that probably should have been in the finals, right? Like if he could have had a three-way final, he was probably the one that would have gotten there. So congratulations to Kurt Cobain and everybody that voted for him. So now on to our championship. This one was rather contentious. There was kind of a vote Jimmy, vote Freddie. <laughs> Um, campaign going on on Discord this week, which made me laugh and happy a little bit just to kind of see people interacting and talking about who their favorites were and how they connected with each of them. I had a tough time with this one. I I went back and forth because it's like picking between two of your favorite kids, which is impossible to do. So I, uh, yeah, it, it went, it went the way I expected it to, but still tough to say. So our champion with 67% of the vote is Freddie Mercury of Queen. And I can't say I'm surprised, right? Like it's, it's after learning more about him, he might be one of, if not the greatest musicians ever, just not necessarily, you know, to say influence wise, just his ability to produce amazing music and his voice and his uh, showmanship and his front, just being a front person and who he was, was so great. So congratulations to Freddie Mercury joining Fleetwood Mac on our Music Madness podcast championship trophy. Um, it's it's definitely cool to see who ends up there because we have on there now one of the greatest albums of all time and the greatest frontman of all time. So that's uh, quite a list of music there. So thank you, everybody, for listening through this season. It's been a lot of fun. I've been wanting to do this version of the podcast 
pretty much since it started, I started with the Grammys, but this was always the one that I had in my mind that I wanted to work through. So it was a lot of fun on my side. Hopefully y'all enjoyed it. What we're up to now, um, hopefully you've noticed that it's been harder and harder for me to get the podcast out right now. The fall is very difficult. Work is hard. Kids start school. Soccer's in full swing. So I'm going to take a little bit of a hiatus for a couple months here. Um, I'm going to start putting together the next season, but it may take a while to actually get to the point of putting it out. Um, not that I don't want to, just don't have time right now. And with work, travel, and a number of other things going on, I'm hoping to try and start it back up early in the winter, maybe before the end of the year, and we'll we'll get into the third season. I already have an idea of what I'm going to do, uh, so I'm going to start putting together some lists and working on things, but it'll take me a little bit of while to get it together. So keep your eyes open for some information coming down the pipe, but it probably will be a couple months before we get to season three, which uh, will be a little bit different again. So hopefully, hopefully you're all excited about it. With that, thank you so much for listening. If you could give us a five stars, thumbs up, whatever it is, really appreciate it. Now that the madness is over, hopefully you had a good time, enjoyed it. So thank you for enjoying the madness. <laughs> <laughs>